Hello and welcome to uh, RNC Watch TV. So we are talking about. So we talked about through episode three, three yeah. of uh, almost a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think um, we're at episode twelve of uh, Ted Lasso. Are there twelve episodes? Is it? Yeah, we're, we're, we're not ten. We're not almost to the last. Episode. There's one episode left. We're so on the penultimate episode. We're gonna save that for one final episode going over to Lasso. But yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Of, like before we started recording this, I was trying to think back through like what all has happened because so freaking much has happened. Yeah, it's been since very helpful. But it's been good. All right. So what's happened? Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to honestly still remember all the things that have happened. I think the um, Amsterdam episode was my favorite. Um, Just because, like, kind of going on what you said last time, it's like they're going out of their way to give everyone the best possible ending. Like, or at least everyone that deserves it. It doesn't seem like Rupert's is set up to really be the happy. Like... It's happy, but he's kind of also getting what he deserved based off of, like, the secretary and his wife showing up. That was pretty great. Yeah, that was honestly kind of satisfying after, like, seeing him basically screw with everyone. And I guess he's the closest thing to, like, I guess he is the antagonist, essentially, out of everyone. Because, like... Yeah, you have other sources of frustration and strife, but, like, he's the one that keeps plaguing everyone in different ways. Um, the Wonder Kid, I really like how he finally gay, like got the hell away from Rupert. Like, that was his redeeming character arc. I thought that was really satisfying. He got um, away from what? He got away from Rupert. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. Because, like, Rupert basically, like, tried to sabotage his relationship. And it's almost like, I kind of wonder, like, why did he feel the need to do that? How did he try to sabotage his relationship? He intentionally, like, invited him to a bar and then had, like, a per like, had two girls waiting. Oh, right. Yeah, and, like, essentially, it it was kind of like, it seems like it was a test. It's like, either you, like do this and like become unfaithful to the person that you just started dating or which i don't know maybe that would have been okay i don't know but it seemed like they were setting up like that that seemed to be the implication was that they were like they weren't really there they were yeah i don't know i I can't remember this is so i remember rubric setting uh wonder kid nathan nate up with the model um but was this was this part of the part that I was passed out for? Maybe. Okay. Okay. So yeah, he showed up. Um, Rupert wanted to get drinks after work. Okay. And so he showed up, and it. basically Rupert already he had two people with him, and was basically okay. trying. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you were passed out. Okay. Yeah, you were you were asleep for that. So yeah, that's that's why he no longer was working for was it West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's why um, the Wonder Kid... What's his actual name? Nate. Nate. That's why Nate no longer was working for West Ham. Okay. It's because basically, like, he valued, like, the, the girl from the, the restaurant more than, like, having success and basically the cost of that. Because it seemed like Rupert was going out of his way to sabotage it. Okay. Okay. That's, that's cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed Nate's arc. Um... It feels deserved because he's actually done things to redeem himself. I agree. Uh, I thought 
the whole part of his girlfriend threatening the boss with blackmail. That was a bit much. That was, that made me uncomfortable. Yeah. But, you know. It was an amusing interaction. It was very funny. You show up on time, you're sober. Oh my God, that was really funny. That was like, laugh out loud. You don't steal, (laughs) you show up on time and you're sober. Like, what did you say, you're a unicorn? Yeah, yeah, you said you're a unicorn. (laughs) Which like, that's kind of rude to servers, but that's very funny. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, that actually that whole character is, was really good. The part where Beard showed up right outside his apartment, just like the look of him looking through the glass door at him, like just dead. Oh my cold god, stare. that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. And it was funnier because like, a it was it would have been creepy no matter what, but knowing how much Beard hates him and him yeah. knowing that he knows how much Beard hates him, like how scary that would be. <laughs> They said, yeah, it was done so well. Also, you know, I was the, the one thing that I have to mention since I mentioned it before. We, um, Beard was talking about going to, uh, I think it was, he went to prison for stealing a loaf of meth. Oh um, my God, that was so funny. I don't know if it was intentional, but uh, it, it seemed interesting that his clothing, that he, like, he was wearing a shirt that, like, he had a jacket over it, but the clothing had, like, essentially, like, broken up prison straps. I don't know if that was intentional, but if that was, like, a intentional wardrobe choice. Not subtle, or subtle. Subtle, I, I always said it be. Um, nice little, like, costume choice. See, if you put a gun to my head and said, what was Coach Beard wearing in any scene, really, in the whole show, I couldn't tell you if my life depended on it. I couldn't tell you most of the time, but he was, like, dre- it was, like, going out. I was like, eh, that's, that's, that's cool. Like, it, it looked like club clothes or something, but, like, high-end club clothing. Okay. I don't know. They set it up well. What? So, I think it's funny that you bring that up as a designer, because... As a writer, what I noticed about the season particularly, and it might have been true of other seasons, but I, I didn't really notice it as much, is it just felt like the writers were like including nods to themselves in a way that I really appreciated. And I'm like thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, I could see how someone would not appreciate. So let me give you an example. Yeah, give me an example. So, well, one, I think Coach Beard's whole character is basically, and I may be just making shit up here, but so when you're writing a fictional show, you have to have character consistency or it takes people out of the suspended disbelief. Yeah, is we were talking, yeah, you told me about this. Go on, because this is a really interesting... To me, like, Coach Beard, just nothing about him is consistent, except that he's a weirdo. He's set up to be the perfect, yeah, you you don't know what to expect. The writers can do anything, can have him do or say anything, because he's just weird. Like, that's his whole character. So, like, for instance, in one of the scenes he had, uh, like, those things that you know, are supposed to help with under eye bags under his eyes. And it's like, okay, you know, he's so weird that maybe he would do that. Like, you have no idea. And that's a credit to them because they managed to write him so he they can basically break, like, the rules of consistency. Like, right. they managed to make a character that that's just so plausibly unpredictable that they can just do whatever. So like, he showed up 
like wearing the like 80s rock or like I don't even know what costume it was in the Amsterdam episode like yeah. and it was like oh yeah that, that's like uh, the mushroom pea was a dud but he was still like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he so either we're completely making things up or there is actually a very regimented uh, taxonomy of his character with, and there are things that fit into it and, and things that don't and we just don't understand it or we're correct and our theory is is accurate and it's just a repository of uh, so, it, it, to be totally inconsistent and yet have it work it doesn't take you out I mean it is either genius character development because it, if, if it is intentional it was done so well that it seems fluid yeah and I think if you're thinking about the writing, there's an argument that that's taking you out of it. But to the analogy that I make is that's like saying like if I notice the brush strokes of a painting, then that like fucks up the uh, suspension of disbelief. But uh, and I understand a painting is different from a narrative, but they're both works of art. You know, a TV show and a painting, and I think that. If you don't want brushstrokes, look at a fucking photograph. Like, if you don't want writers, watch a fucking reality show. Like, you know, I don't know. I almost think that in this day and age of television having to compete with TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and all these, that it's almost like there's more opportunity for writing to be a bespoke, uh, respected, like, craft. This, this like your argument reminds me of like this is the next level of the Gutenberg elegies, which is a book that basically argued that long form was dying. But now it's like, are we getting to the point where anything that requires an attention span or suspension of belief is dying? But I mean, like painting isn't dead. Like long form isn't dead. Like when did Gutenberg elegies? It's like mostly 1990. Honestly, the biggest thing for that book is it predicted social media down to a T. When was it written? It was not in the 90s. Right. Guess what? People are still writing books. Yeah. Well, like I said, its biggest accomplishment was it, it, like, before there was any precedent for, like, I think it described it as the electronic mesh that would constantly break our attention span. It basically described us being connected to our phones 24 7. So he had some good predictions, some not. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I just think this whole like sorry <laughs> these things are dead like I don't know I don't think TV is dead I don't think that long form is dead I don't think movies are dead I think these the the supply and demand are changing and in a way that we're never going to go back I think that's true but I think we're still figuring out how to monetize things so that they can still exist. Like long form is, I would say, especially your like your a lot of your best journalism at the moment is going through a crisis of how to successfully monetize for the modern age because everyone thought it would be advertising for a while and then ad blocker screwed it up and then no one wants to actually pay monthly subscription. There's there's some still some figuring out to do there, but there's tons of figuring. Long form's definitely not dead. Yeah. And TV isn't bad either. And anyway, so I, I like another example of Ted Lasso to me, the writers referring to themselves was when this was the most like obvious example in my opinion. 
<laughs> was when Rebecca said at the end of the last episode, or maybe it was the one before that, um, it was either, it was, she was like, at this point every, I don't remember if she said season or year. Year, this is when I come, just through. Yes. Yeah. I come no. to some realization. And to me, it was like an obvious reference to like, this is the point in every season of the show when I have a character arc. Um, it was delightfully self-aware. Yeah, I like it. I don't know. I could understand why people wouldn't, but I, I enjoy it. See, though, like I, I think the, the type of people that wouldn't like that would be one of my favorite self-aware thing ever. I mean, Cabin in the Woods, obviously. I love things that are self-aware, and that movie is nothing if not just hyper self-aware but um yeah no i really like that and also i liked how they changed it which i'm pretty sure that was how they that, that that was them setting up for the final arc considering there's only one episode left and then they had ted like she's like oh crap i've got nothing and then ted was like actually and then it cut to the freaking credits because obviously it would i think for weaknesses the weakest part and it was still strong, like in that it made me feel very strongly, but it was Ted confronting his mother. The thank you and fuck you. Yeah, no, that was very well done. It was, but first of all, it's a trope at this point of writers writing wish fulfillment of interactions with their parents right yeah. we all would love to take our parents aside ex like say to them what we want them to understand to have them in that very same conversation like understand what we're trying to say empathize with our point of view and to repair the relationship. Like that's like such a, a universal desire. And so we all love to like, I don't know if we all love to see it, but I think writers love to write it. I would also argue that the, those make powerful scenes because if it is something that an author has experienced or is something that they would like to say, it is very genuine, heartfelt writing. And generally, it's kind of like why I like the most depressing music is some of the best written like music is because anything that comes from that level of emotion generally comes off as incredibly genuine compared to when you're having to try to fake it, essentially. The request, I think, is genuine. The, I think the two things that bother me about the whole conceit is that the, it's like what you love about The Wire versus fucking, you know, CSI or Law and Order. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, simplistically, there's something beautiful about, like, justice being done in one episode, but... The Wire is so much better because it's more true to life, which is that everything is more complicated than that. And so what bothers me about these scenes is that they're so uh, simple. Like the character says to their parents what's bothering them, the parent understands and empathizes in the same conversation. Like that's just not how life works 99.9% of the time. Part of me wonders if that's, if they planned for four or five seasons and then at least 
learned before they started, or before they had finalized the scripts, I wonder if they learned that it was going to be cut at three. Because that would give you the ability to close a lot of arcs off, but you would have to do so at the cost of actually giving a lot of them the justice they deserved. Mm, I doubt. I mean, that, I, I think that's a very kind like way to view it, but it considering does, it does that I haven't like seen any like moment of foreshadowing of the scene, I don't think that this is like they were building it up and they intended to have two more seasons to play it out. Like, I think it was just kind yeah. of everyone needed an arc, and so uh, Ted Lasso needed an arc, and and I think that's the other problem that I had with the scene is that the show wouldn't have worked as well if Ted were actually in any way complex. Like, okay, they, they have the panic attacks, which I think is great, but otherwise, like, he's an extremely, like, one-dimensional character. And so they're trying to give him an arc, but an arc requires conflict and a backstory and, uh, yeah. like, other characters, like... And I, I do enjoy, I did think that they did a good job with his arc in terms of his ex-wife. I think that was good. Oh yeah. And I, and they did, but a lot of that was, it was so like, they didn't, and maybe they'll try to conclude it in this next episode, but like, they left, they didn't go too far in on it. They didn't try to draw, they no. left a lot of it open-ended, yeah. which I think is what works so well about it. And what I love about the scene where he's calling his ex-wife and saying like, it kind of pissed me off that you've dated our marriage counselor, is that she just said okay. Yeah. And no, it's that. Like She didn't apologize. She didn't empathize. She didn't anything and it's like that's 99% of the time like the most you could ever hope for and it's totally in keeping with her character like that's exactly what you would have expected her it did not seem out of place at all it felt no. very genuine it felt very true to life that whole thing of like you say your piece you don't really get much from the person that you're saying it to most of the time it's for you and you go about your life like I thought that was really well done yeah. No, I wonder about I really the extent to which, like, that that would have been fine. Like, that could have been enough arc for us that we really didn't need Ted's mom to show up. It is a little bit forced, honestly. It just, yeah, it was just, like, so condensed to get all this, like, done. And I'm just like, I don't know. It wasn't my fave. Yeah. Like, it was funny, though. Like, she had some really funny scenes. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I definitely could have dealt without his mom showing up, but... It wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I very much enjoyed the season. Is that the first time she showed up in the entire series? As far as I can recall, like, that's the first time she's really mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah, that doesn't even make sense from, like, uh, trying to close arcs because if why introduce her that late? Yeah. It just seems... Now, my weird. memory sucks, so, you know, maybe I'm forgetting things. But, no, I don't remember her being a part of anything. Drop in the comments. We read them. <laughs> <laughs> be nice to him. I will find you. <laughs> no, I don't be nice. Honestly, I'm dead inside. I've streamed for too long. Nothing will face me. Yeah, you are a gamer. Gamers are the worst. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Recovering gamer. Although I do need him. You're still. I'm, 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 you're still I'm, the sauce. I'm about to break down and buy a deal with Uh Conveniently, after Blizzard's fucked it up with the first update. 
I've already drank, so we're not monetizing this video anyway. Oh, there was okay. alcohol on screen. I mean, the grape juice. It's grape juice that happens to look not grape juicy. Yeah, but it's totally grape juice, and YouTube can't prove otherwise. Fight me. I can't even say Susan now, because it's not even Susan. She left. No. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Sorry. Ted Lasso, have enjoyed it. We'll do one more episode on the uh, final episode of Ted Lasso after we watch it. Also, there is new Platonic, which we started to watch recently. Oh, really good. Fucking love Platonic, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll, have it, we'll be having an update on that at some point. Oh, we should do predictions. What's your prediction for the final episode? <sighs> and do you think they're gonna set it up for a spinoff? I asked that because I do. <laughs> uh, I would like pay money for a beard spinoff. <laughs> and technically they're adding one. It looks like they're about to add one staff member. If they add Nate, Nate could take one of their jobs and Beard could be the head coach. That That's my theory is that they're going to try to capitalize on Beard's character after this. I love it. Oh, also I really like how they gave Jamie um... A redemption arc. Yeah, no, Jamie's been freaking awesome. Okay, that's another example of like, so when, okay, I loved the scene when Ted is talking to Beard and he's like, oh, like, you, he's talking about second chances. And then like Beard is so mad. And you don't even know like why Beard is mad, but like you, you, you know enough to like enjoy Beard being mad. And it's so true to life, like, the way to make somebody super mad is just to, like, make them unable to argue. And it's hard to argue with kindness. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. What was I talking about? Jamie. Oh, yeah, Jamie. I really loved... Oh, I, the part that was annoying to me was, like, Lassa was, like you forgive your dad for you. And Jamie was like, you're right. And it's like, ah, listen, you give people really like solid advice like that. And they're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, 99 times out of 100, they're like, ah, I don't think so. But it, you know, it's, it's, it's like, on the one hand, it's like, okay, that's why I watch TV because life is boring and annoying. Um, but then it kind of takes you out of it because it's not realistic. So. I don't know, it was well written. Like, they did do the spin where it's like, no, I'm not telling you to, like, forgive him for, like, him. Right. Me. But, like, yeah, that's so much generic, but it still was well written. Like, yeah. I felt like it was well written. It, yeah, it would have, the, the dude would have been like, oh, you know, I'm good. And then, like, two years later after a yeah. last therapy, he would have figured that out. <laughs> right, right. But it wasn't, it did not seem overly realistic for him to say, be like, oh, yeah, well, my head is clear. I'm going to go, like, play this awesome redeeming like round or like, you know, whatever you call it, where he like ran and scored and then got applause from his former team. But it was nice. It felt good. It was nice. Yeah. But totally. it, it realistically would have taken right. like two years of therapy or something right. to arrive at that conclusion. Exactly. I but I will say I loved Keely and Angry Guy. <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah. And that... Jamie all hanging out. Like, it was so poly. Like, I just, I loved that whole, like, thing. It was that really, was like, fun. subtly, like, okay, we're getting a little. <laughs> 
not that anybody, like, it's not literally poly, but like, it's, it's the whole, it's, it's a pushback against like toxic monogamy. Yeah. I hope they get back together. Keely and the dude? Bang the dude, yeah. They're not officially back together. I think she could do better, but I think that she loves him, so yeah. I'm he seems it. to be having redeeming thoughts and stuff. And he's like turning into a better person, it seems like. Yes. He's yeah. trying. Uh, definitely Jamie's got, I was honestly like Jamie's arc is like, can we be with Jamie? But it doesn't seem like they're putting it in that direction and I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't get that vibe. <laughs> the situation with his mom was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, though I really enjoyed that art. There's just been so many good ones. The Amsterdam episode is still my favorite. My favorite part of the Amsterdam episode was the where the one guy who was saying about he wanted to go to the Hague uh, to like look around, said that he was uh, extremely anti anti democracy. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, and then we'll get the two hotel people to convince the dude that he doesn't want to go to a sex club because the people are all really tired. Oh yeah, that was really funny too. That was like that's so real. <laughs> it was so well done. And then the the, the dude's like random references to the red light district. And then it ends up he just likes jazz, but like Oh yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Actually, didn't that one kid get into like a kind of poly relationship? Had you passed out for that part? I might have. Yeah, I forget. Pretty sure that was the implication. Oh, what happened with Krim and the gay one? Well, I know Krim came out to him. Did anything else happen? I don't think they've done okay. anything else with that arc. Okay. I don't think Krim's trying to hide it, though. It's funny because it never occurred to me that Krim might be gay, and now I see it everywhere, and I'm like, did they change his character, or did I just not notice? You know, I don't know, but I know that, like, he's been, like, I think he's had, like, rainbow-colored, like, accessories. Since then. Yeah, but since then. So I don't know, they may have intentionally been trying to mask that yeah, at first, and then after at that arc, it's like, okay, well, now we're not going to hide it from the audience anymore. Yeah. But I don't know if they're trying to intentionally make, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll approach that or do something with that in the final episode. You know what would be funny would be to, like... For someone to write Krim's book. That would actually... If they don't do that, then that's just... Someone like, should write Krim's book. That's just missing out yeah. on, like... Yeah, for sure. Because they've done that kind of stuff before for way less popular things. Uh oh, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Those are my thoughts. you have any more thoughts? Not at the moment. I'm interested to see where this goes. I really want a beard spinoff. <laughs> HBO. Hope you're listening. Is it Sudeikis? Sudeikis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you can't afford him or he has something else to do, fine. But, you know, you got all the other people. I'm sure they want to they continue. So, do it. <laughs> I want a beard spinoff. Beard. Yes. Bye.